Welcome to Antioch for new here. Like I said, would love to meet you. Um, <clears throat> and I uh, am excited as we are starting a new sermon series this week on relationships and singleness. Hey, relationships and singleness. Got a few woo-woos in the back. Thank you for the woo-woos back there, whoever that was. Uh, but I believe we're going to have a great we're going to have a great time together over the coming weeks. I believe God is going to speak to us. And, you know, um, seasons of life can be exciting. I even was thinking back to my own relationship with my amazing wife, just many of the milestones we've had together, the exciting times. Also, think back, I was thinking back of the first date we had and kind of took her out to lunch and uh, there were some friends of ours there like, hey, why are they hanging out together, you know? Uh, great times. You know, just even different relationships in here can be, can be exciting, you know? But let's face it, relationships and singleness can be complex, right? I have a bunch of great milestones in my wife. We also got a little bit of drama in, the, in between, some misses, some conflicts, some messiness somewhere along the way. Relationships can be complex because we are complex as human beings, Right? We're complex people. There's not like one relationship formula. You do all these things, and this is exactly the outcome, right? People are, we're unpredictable. We're complex. Maybe for some of us, relationships or singleness have been a place of disappointment. Something didn't happen in the timing that we hoped for. The thing we dreamed about didn't come to pass. Or maybe you're like, I am married, and this is really complex. Someone help me. You know, many of us, we, if you're like me, kind of, and especially my early stages of dating, no one kind of sat me down and trained me or equipped me or explained to me how this worked, you know, uh, whether how to thrive in singleness or how to dive into a relationship. I just kind of just dove in and, uh, and, and hoped it worked, right? Wasn't necessarily prepared. I think of that kind of recurring, maybe some of you have like a recurring fearful dream where you don't feel prepared about something. I know for me, I was in the band and I like have... This, like, I'm going to a concert, and I have no idea what songs I'm about to play, and everyone is staring at me. You know, it's kind of like that, jumping into jumping into relationships. Like, I, I hope it goes well. Um, and, you know, I think that may be one of the reasons why a lot of times we end up doing more maintenance and healing than preparation in our relationships and singleness and dating and marriage. Or sometimes why I think we are often more kind of discipled or trained by our culture than the word, because maybe we haven't heard clarity on it from Scripture. Or maybe you did hear it in the church, and it's just kind of a little off or, or one-sided or, or weird without balance and wisdom. And so my heart in this series as pastor, uh, I want to help us win in this area of singleness, dating, in marriage. I want to help us win. Whether you are single, dating, or married, I believe that God is going to speak to you something through this series. And we're going to go to his word and say, what does scripture have to say on these things? We're, um, I'm going to be preaching, but we're also going to be here from some different people in our church on their journeys in this area and how God met with them. And, and during this series, we're going to get real because let's face it, the struggle is real. <laughs> When it comes to singleness, dating, and marriage. Um, but I believe it's going to be helpful. I believe it can, might be paradigm shifting for different ones of us. And I really believe that this series might be freeing for different ones of us who have had a bad mindset on this that might have even made it more complicated. So we're calling this series, It's Complicated. 
right? And if you're familiar with Facebook back in, you know, when it first came out, oh, it's complicated. That's probably where some of that came from, this status. It's, it's, it's a can be a complicated process, but our goal is to hopefully go to the Word of God and help simplify that for us as we go. So a couple just practicals as I start this series before we dive into it. Number one, um, you know, we're going to be talking different weeks about different different singleness, dating, marriage, etc. The temptation could be to say, well, what season am I in? And I'll come that week, and I don't really need to hear the other stuff. But I want to say that regardless of what season, I believe this is going to be relevant to all of us. Either you are in that season right now, you may be in that season in the future, you may be leading kids through that season one day, or let me say it like this, we believe church is a family. We believe we are a network of relations, not just a building that church really means called out one. It's a group of people. So we don't just come to church kind of consume a message for ourselves, although that is part of the reason we come. We come to be equipped, and we come to get in the Word of God together and see what He has to say to us. But we also uh, come to church for one another, and we need one another in each season. I believe it takes a tribe of people, a little crew of people that are in our corner encouraging us helping champion what God is doing in each season of life to help us really thrive in each season. You never experienced it? I definitely needed that in singleness, dating, and marriage. I've needed a crew of people around me. So my goal and our goal is that um, God will speak to you in the season you're in, but you're also coming to get wisdom, to encourage, and to help those around you that might be in different seasons than you because we're in this together, right? We need Jesus, we need his word, and we also need one another. We're not made to do it alone. And let me also just kind of shed light on some truth that I think will be helpful, just lay a helpful foundation as we come into this series. Like I said, we're going to go into the Word of God on this, but honestly, there's not a ton of Scripture just on singleness, dating, and marriage. If I were to take all those Scriptures and put it together, it would be maybe like a fraction or a sliver that talks directly on these issues. Now, I absolutely believe this is an important topic. We all feel the struggle in different ways, and that's one of the reasons why we're doing this series. But the majority of the Scripture speaks on the importance of developing our own relationship with God. What I'm saying here is that though a relationship with a guy or girl is important, it's not the most critical relationship in your life. It's not the most, whether you're in one or hoping for one, that significant other, they're important, but they're not the most critical relationship in your life. I think many of us are frustrated and hurting, waiting for that relationship to come around, or maybe you're in that relationship and we're frustrated and hurting because we're hoping for someone to fill that spot in our lives that only God could fill. We were hoping for someone that would never disappoint us. We were hoping for someone that would always love us perfectly, that would never react to us, and that would always understand us. But let me say that only God can do that. Only God can perfectly love you. Only God can perfectly understand you. Only God can perfectly meet you where you're at. And I believe if we get this in our lives as kind of a foundation, as a talking point for each each aspect we go through, I believe this, this revelation will serve as a foundation for everything else we talk about. Let me say it like this. We often want to be a source of life for other people. We want to be a source of life, whether we're a single or whether we're 
dating someone or, or, or whether we're married, we want to be a source of life for that other person or even other people around us as singles. But ultimately, if we want to be a source, we need to go to the source. We need to drink of the source. And the amazing thing about Jesus, Jesus said, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. He said, come to me, all ye who thirst. And what will happen if you give him? Streams of living water will swell up within us. Well up within us. When we drink of Jesus, when he is our source, when he is the first one we're running to for that perfect affirmation we need, for that unconditional love, when we drink of the source, we become a source for others around us. And that is great news. It's great news if you're here and you don't know Jesus. There is a source that will never leave or forsake you. A source of love you've never tasted before is better than anything. I, my story, if I told you, I've tried a whole lot of things. And when I met Jesus, there was nothing like it. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, and the Bible says that our sin has separated all of us from Jesus. We've all fallen short. We've all kind of gone our own way and pushed God to the side. And I've got great news. He went to the cross and died for your and my sin. He rose from the dead, defeating death, so that no matter what you've done, whatever you feel would separate you from God, if you call upon the name of Jesus, if you call upon the source today, he'll not only forgive you, but he'll bring you back in a relationship with him as a source, and he'll never leave or forsake you. He'll always be available to you. He always wants to speak to you. He can build you up in ways. He can fill you up in ways that no person ever can. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus today, it's great news for you. We can meet him today. And secondly, if you do, I have great news that there is a source of life in your relationship or maybe lack of a relationship. There is a source of life for you that can bring hope into the hopeless situation that maybe some of you feel like you're in. There is a source that is bigger than your spouse. There is a source that is bigger than the problem you have. And there is one in your singleness that will never leave you, that will always be there for you. So there is hope for you, not to minimize the pain, not to minimize the frustrations, but there is hope of a resurrected Savior in the midst of it. <clears throat> All right, y'all, here we go. We're going to talk a little bit on singleness this week. Singleness, come on. Not everyone get too excited, right? Some of you are like, Pastor, why are you going to talk about that? Because that's not where I'm trying to stay. I'm not trying to stay here. Why are you going to talk about that? Maybe I'll just come back. Next week, you know, I think unfortunately, whether in our, in our culture around us or even in the church, we, we've, we've accidentally made singleness into some kind of like stigma. In our culture today, we hear things maybe from even well-meaning parents kind of like, hey, when are you going to get me some grandbabies? And you're like, oh, Lord. Uh, can you tell me who, to, and you want me to just go out and get you grandbabies? I don't think that's actually what you want, Mom. Right, so even well-meaning parents, well-meaning people in our culture say that, you know, this is, this is kind of the apex of what you need. Or even sometimes within the church, you know, I was talking to some different singles this week and just asking, hey, what are things you've heard that have kind of been kind of landed funny on you? You know, things like, hey, how are you still single? And you're like, I think that was supposed to be encouraging that I'm awesome, but I don't know if I'm encouraged. <laughs> or it happens when you least expect it. It happens when you're not looking. Or uh, maybe you're in a group of people sometime, and all of a sudden someone's looking at you like this, and they're like, who can I set you up with? And you're like, uh, I, I think maybe I want that. I don't know. I heard a bad joke. Maybe if you get gobbed, one of your ribs will give you a wife. 
Or maybe some of us kind of heard that, hey, honey, you'll understand when you're married one day. Kind of like I can't get a revelation from God until I get married, which is obviously not true. And I think accidentally, whether it's in our culture or even in, in the church, we can kind of elevate marriage into this like, kind of like idol, this thing that we have to have to be okay with ourselves. And in doing so, we, we also accidentally kind of to de-elevate singleness into, into kind of some, some kind of uh, second-class thing that we want to avoid. And I know there's all different kinds of people here that... Some of you, you're single, and you're like, da-da-da-da-da, I'm loving it, you know? <laughs> and if that's you, you know, bless you. That's awesome. Some of you here are single, and it's been a tough journey for you. And I want to say we want to empathize with you. We want to walk with you. You're not alone on this. It can be a tough journey. Some of you guys, are, you're here, and you're single unexpectedly. Maybe whether it was a marriage or just a significant relationship that ended unexpectedly. Maybe you were hoping they were the one, or maybe they were the one, and it ended. You're here, and you're single, whether it's recent or not recent. You didn't expect to be here. And I also want to say to you that you know, we, we love you, and God loves you, and we want to walk this journey through with you as well. This is not the end for you, that God is here with you, and we want to walk this journey through with you as well. But if you got that vibe uh, about singleness being kind of some second-class thing here in this church or even elsewhere in other relationships, especially for married people, I want to say as a married man, I'm, I'm sorry that is not our intention. We believe God values each season equally, even though, um, even though our culture might say differently, our culture out there. But when we go to God's Word, God actually says something quite unique and even eye-opening uh, for some of us, different than our culture. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. God says this about singing us. Are you ready for this? Paul wrote this. I mean, God, we believe that, that Scripture is God's Word. Paul wrote this. Singleness is a gift from the Lord. Singleness is a gift from the Lord. Some of you are like, oh, great. Here we go. I think y'all are going to get free and help, so just bear with me. Here we go. Verse 6 and 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul says this. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am. Now Paul's speaking as a single person. I wish that all were as I myself am, speaking of singleness. But each has his own gift from God. One of one kind and one of another. Speaking about married people and speaking of single people. Now just for some context here is 55 AD. Nero is on the throne there and Christians are being persecuted. And in Corinth, there's a temple to, to Aphrodite who is kind of this like, like this sex, reproduction, beauty, goddess. And just to give you some context there, in this temple there's literally hundreds of prostitutes. So here the good news is going forth, the good news of Jesus going forth in this context. And what happens, the Christian's like, hey, that's, that's off, that's bad. I don't go to the temple and just hang out with a bunch, and, and you know, sleep with a bunch of prostitutes or hook up with everyone. So that, and, and what happened, I think the Christians kind of overcompensated the other direction. You can see the beginning of chapter 7, Paul is actually addressing a question that the Corinthian church had. And they were saying, hey, I think it's good for, for men not to have any sexual relations with a woman. And so the Corinthian church is asking Paul about this. Is this true? Is it maybe just throw sex out all together. This is a bad thing. And Paul is kind of, one of the things he's saying throughout chapter 7 is, no, no, no. Within the context of marriage, sex is great. 
God made sex, and he made it for marriage. He made it to be good, he made it to be enjoyable, and he made it to be powerful within the context of marriage. It can actually be destructive outside, but that doesn't mean we throw it out. Paul is affirming marriage throughout this chapter. Paul is affirming sex throughout this chapter, and he's answering their practical question you'll see there at the beginning of the chapter. And what does he say in verse 6 and 7? He, he says, both singleness and marriage are good. Marriage is good, and singleness is good. Let that sit for a second. Both are gifts. And Paul is saying, if you're able, I personally wish that you would take the gift of singleness if you're able to take that. So we're like, that might land on someone's like, hey, Paul, what do you mean? Especially if some of you are single and you're kind of pining to get in a relationship with someone. You're like, I don't know if I want this gift, Paul. Does this come with a gift receipt? <clears throat> Can I take this gift back, Paul? I don't know, I don't know what I think about this. A recent uh, study said that 96% of millennials desire to be in a committed relationship. Again, it may not be everyone in here, but you're probably sitting thinking, how could it be considered a gift if some of us are not yet experiencing what that 96% of us are longing for in our heart? Well, I want to continue on in this chapter, starting in verse 35. We're going to sort of camp up around some of these passages here. Paul is going to answer that question. Why is he saying that singleness is a gift? And why is Paul saying that I might actually even desire this for you? Verse 35 of chapter 7. Paul is saying, I say this for your own benefit. Speaking of singleness, he says, I'm saying this for your own benefit. Paul is, 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 is saying this if we receive it because it could be beneficial for us. And it is beneficial for us to be single. Now he goes on to put a disclaimer in the next line. He says this, not to lay any restraint upon you. What is Paul saying? That, that word restraint literally means snare. So Paul's basically saying, hey, I'm not trying to bind you to this. I'm not trying to create some law that, that marriage is bad because actually he also affirms that marriage is great in this chapter. So he's not saying that desiring marriage is bad by any means. But what he's saying is that I'm looking for what might be beneficial for you. And you might ought to consider this is a gift in light of that, whether that is for the rest of your life or even for today. If you are single, that is a gift from God. And God has called you to be single at least today. Commentator Barnes said this about this passage. It's not by any means to bind, fetter, or restrain them from any course which would be for their real happiness, but to promote their real and permanent advantage. Well, how is it advantageous? Let's continue on in verse 35. Paul says two things, to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion. So two things Paul's saying, here's why it could be advantageous for you. This is why it would be beneficial for you. Here's why it's beneficial to be single. To promote what is appropriate or to promote good order in this version and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So let's start with to promote good order. Now, what does that mean? Is good order, is it out of order to be married? Absolutely not. Paul is affirming marriage as well here. What does promote good order mean? What that phrase literally means is, is something that is fitting for the context. Something that is fitting for the context. Now, to illustrate that, I got something here for us. I used to ski competitively growing up downhill competitive ski and I have this sweet spandex suit that I got to wear it was pretty awesome now don't worry I don't wear this just recreational skiing 
Uh, I have used it for a few pranks. We've had some, you know, it's been a few people had some fun pranking and you know, doing different things with like this. It is a spandex like spider. This is a spider brand. There's spider webs all over. It's uh, quite interesting, but you know, it's minimum wind resistance when you're going down the hill, right? So I use this bad boy skiing. So, you know, save it around, just, uh, you know, it's good times. So that being said, it would be weird if I were up here preaching in that outfit. If I get up here like, what is the pastor on today? I don't think, it's, I don't think he's on the Lord. I think it's something else. It would be out of context for me, right? It would not be appropriate, not be fitting for me to wear that because it would be out of context. Now, if I were skiing and racing specifically, you'd be like, okay, cool. You know, a little, little weird, but still cool. You know, it was normal in that world, right? Um, so, so it, out of context, that, that kind of what Paul is talking about here is he's saying that singleness is a gift because it's fitting for the context in which we're in. It's fitting for the context in which some of us are in. So let me say this in two different ways. First of all, it it might be the context of your individual season that God has you in. Now, we believe that God is sovereign. We believe that God knows what he's doing. And for whatever reason, God finds it fitting for those of you who are single that at least today, at least for this season, that you are single. Because I believe he's not doing it to punish you. I believe he's doing it because he's championing something in you or he's championing something through you. And this might be the most fitting context for it, right? He's championing something in us. So singles, let me ask you, what is God doing in your life? Singleness does not at all mean the absence of God at work in our life. Sometimes we're so fixated that this is the only goal that we miss all the amazing things that God is doing in our life. Singleness doesn't have to be terrible, although it might be challenging at times. Uh, singleness can actually be powerful. Uh, you don't have to wait till you're married for God to move in your life. I think sometimes we start to think that. Uh, I don't necessarily think you're single because God is punishing you, and I don't think that you can't get the full revelation of God until you're married. I want to say that the living God is here inside of you as a single person, and Scripture says you are complete in Christ. So your singleness actually gives us a picture of worship. I want to say if you're here and you're single and you're pursuing holiness and you're pursuing devotion to Jesus and you're going after and you're saying, I am complete in Christ. Sure, I'd love a spouse. Sure, this is hard at times. Sure, this has been a journey. I want to say, man, you are a hero. You are awesome. And that is a picture of worship unto the Lord. Way to go, different ones of you. But I want to say God is at work in your life. If you're single, I believe God had found that fitting because he's championing something in and through you that is powerful this season. And that is for whether you're hoping to get married or not, which, by the way, if you are hoping to get married one day, your marriage will only be as good as your singleness. We often try to deal with our loneliness problem by seeking to get married. If you're tired of yourself a little bit and you want someone else to kind of spruce it up and you find another person who's tired of themselves and it makes it a little challenging at times. If if you want to get married uh, but you're single, I believe God is at work and I want to invite you to embrace what he is doing. If you don't want to get married, I want to invite you to embrace what God is doing. But either way, don't, because you're pining so much to get married, don't miss all the things that God is, is doing by focusing on what he's not doing. All right, secondly, for talking about um, 
uh, the, uh, what is appropriate or promoting good order, kind of what is fitting for the context. What is Paul saying? Secondly, in, in the context of this passage, Paul is talking about eternity in context of our life actually being kind of short on this earth. In light of verse 31, where Paul says this present, the world in this present form is passing away. In light of verse 29, where Paul is saying um, uh, uh, the appointed time has grown very short. Guys, eternity is long and life is short. Eternity is long and life is short. And Paul is saying, saying this, it, it could be most fitting. Let me give an analogy. I told you a couple weeks ago I went camping with Carlo and Sadei and Franco and Val and some other people. Thanks for leading us today, by the way, Carlo and Sade in worship. We went camping. And uh, let me tell you what I didn't do. I didn't take all my belongings and start to, like, set up my living room in the tent and be like, here's my picture of my family. Here's, you know, some other stuff. Here's my, my drawers with some of my clothes. Now, if I put a few things out, Carlo might have been like, all right, that's cool, bro. You're, like, connected with your family. But then I take out all, you know, all my belongings. I got a chair. I got a full living room. I got everything set up. I, I'm on fixer-upper trying to figure out how I can, you know, remodel the tent. And they'd be like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> We're going to leave in a few days. You know that, right? Right? So don't set up your entire life in this tent because ultimately this is just a, a tent and you're going to go back home. Paul is saying, hey, Marriage is great, and having kids is great, and God is for that, but that is not the main storyline of your life in light of eternity. You know, some of you guys need to remember, the Bible doesn't say we will not be married in heaven. Some of you are like, whoa, that's a, a new thought. We won't be married in heaven. This whole thing is headed to us becoming one with Jesus for all of eternity. Marriage is great, and like singleness, that can reflect the heart of God. And it is a great gift, and it, it is good if that's what God has for you. But the, the storyline of our lives is not, the God's main storyline of our lives is not, well, we've got to wait around until we get married, and then we have kids, and we kind of settle, and that is what life is about. No, God is saying there is so much more happening. That is one part for some of you, but, but God is on the move, redeeming the lives of people like us that have fallen short, of people that are spiritually impoverished, of people need. God is at work redeeming lives. The kingdom is at hand. Life is short, and there's, there's one short window of time for all of eternity here on this earth. We get to worship. We get to choose to worship freely, and we get to share the good news. We get to love other people around us as a choice. And I want to say, for some of us, um, if you don't know him, and the main storyline of your life is Jesus. And for those of us who are single, and that has been a difficult journey for you, I want to say, man, that is good news. You don't, I really felt, I was praying in this, I felt like, Lord, that some people are going to be liberated today because you've been carrying around that you can't fully live until you're married. I want to say God is writing a story for you that is so much bigger than just that. That desire is not bad. That's okay. We want to walk that journey with you. But God is writing a story in and through your life that is big. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And there's good news that your life doesn't wait until you get married. Your life begins now because you're with Jesus and you're free to walk in your calling and be all that God has made you to be. Amen. <clears throat> all right, 
So again, marriage is great. And singleness, Paul says, is also great and good and is a gift. So what else is Paul saying here? Again, two reasons why this is to our benefit. One is to promote good order. Secondly, he says in verse 25, is freedom from distraction. He says it here uh, in this verse, say, to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. To secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. <coughs> but just think about this one. Some of you came to church, those of you guys are single. Obviously, you had to get ready and do other things, but... You kind of came to church on your own time and your own preference. You sat where you wanted to sit. You kind of wore what you wanted to wear. You didn't have to get input from anyone else. You came to kind of get your worship on. Different ones of us, we had, uh, not this morning in my context, but some mornings, we had a, a conflict on the way to church. We wanted to sit somewhere, but some, a spouse wanted to sit somewhere else. Or a significant other wanted to sit somewhere else. Maybe we wanted to wear something, and, and someone said, hey, I don't, know, I don't know about that outfit, Right? There was a few more uh, hindrances to getting to church today to, to worship Jesus. And those aren't bad hindrances, but just different. It's just different. And what, what Paul says here uh, in verse 32 to 34 is, is it is, is a gift of freedom from anxiety. <laughs> verse 32 to 34, Paul's saying this, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. Again, I don't think Paul's saying this is bad. It's just the nature of it, just the state of the union. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the unmarried woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Let me kind of explain this because for many years I was like, man, I'm just going to like go after Jesus and then my wife and my kids will just all follow Jesus together. And while that is true, uh, it just was a little more complex than I thought. You know, I'm single, I'm cruising along and uh, I meet this girl, Crystal, and I'm like, man, I want to do this right. So it takes a little time and energy when you're going to do it right. And all of a sudden there's a few things you got to say no to all of a sudden. Even I remember I was one time I was sharing the gospel, was, was preaching the good news to some people, and I was supposed to go on a date, but I really felt like God was doing this thing. This whole table of people gives their life to Jesus, like, like four or five guys right there. And I'm like, Crystal's going to think I'm awesome. You know, I just started dating. God, I know God and my motives were mostly pure, but there were some impure motives. You know, uh, God works that all up. Uh, so... This is going to be awesome. I know it'll be like 45 minutes late, but people came to know Jesus. So I show up, and of course, Crystal loves people. She loves the good news. She was excited for that, but we were just starting dating. She's like, so you're going to just put other people before me all the time, or what's this about? And I was like, I didn't think about that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden, then we get engaged, and we're talking about colors of the wedding and themes, things I've never thought about. Now, some of y'all guys thought about that growing up. Bless you. That's awesome. I never thought about some of these things. We're having planning meetings that I, you know, I'm excited to get married, but I'm not excited to plan a wedding. And all of a sudden, that became our life. In marriage, you know, it was awesome, but just basic things. How do you do them with someone else all of a sudden? And then kids, I seriously underestimated how difficult my life was about to become. <laughs> Things that you don't even consider to be things all of a sudden became things. <laughs> like difficult things, like this, like leaving the house. 
Like before we had kids, I was like, hey, want to leave? Great. And you get to leave the house. With kids, it is like, hey, get dressed. Hey, I asked you to put this wiser shoe on your hand. It's on your foot. My son this morning, he had a daddy long legs in the house in the driver's seat of his truck. And I was like, what are you doing with the daddy long legs in the house? You put in the driver's seat. And then, you know, doing this. And the kid peed on the floor. And then it's like this. Hey, I asked you to do this. And why are we not here? And then they get all ready. And it's like, oh, I need this toy. I forgot it. We're already in the van. And all of a sudden they're crying because, you know, everything comes up last minute, right? Or even with Disneyland. You know, I, I, I hear, and I'm a little envious of some of you singles that go to Disneyland, and you love it. Because to me, <laughs> Disneyland is my biggest nightmare. It takes us that two hours to even get into the van. We've got sunscreen lathered on already. I got sunscreen all over myself, just on my clothes. It's already a mess. We're just in the van. I take my discretionary income for two years, fork it over. We haven't even paid for food yet. I got kids hanging on my legs all the time. I'm standing in line for hours for rides that I don't even want to go on. It takes one-third of the day before my kids start whining, and I'm like, I did this for you. You need to love this. This is all our money that we have. <laughs> and we get to the end, like, why do we do that? <laughs> Y'all walking over with the coffee, like, hey, it's the Speeders. <laughs> Good to see you guys here. <laughs> and I'm praying out of my breath because I don't want to cuss. All right, well, Paul is saying that you have a gift of freedom. If you are single, there is a gift <laughs> of freedom. And it is funny on one hand, but in all seriousness, you really have a gift. <laughs> and that is okay to enjoy it. That is okay for you to be in the season. And it's okay for you not to want to be at Disneyland like me. And you go to Disneyland and do you, and I'm excited for you. You enjoy that gift. <laughs> I believe God gives, you know, this gift, whether it's just for a season or longer. For God gives this gift of singleness and this gift of freedom, both for some of our enjoyment and pleasure, but also for a purpose. It says undivided devotion for the Lord or to the Lord. <clears throat> now, that word devotion kind of has two different concepts here. One is um, to... Um, is good or well, and another one is to kind of to be close beside. So again, that word devotion, good and well, and to kind of be close beside. So I think kind of the concept of that phrase means is, is that we are attentive to him and his desires. That undivided devotion, Lord, means that we are attentive to him and his desires. Now we live in a crazy world, you know, that even trying to be attentive to someone, all of a sudden we're like this. You know, everything in our life pulls from us being attentive to someone. And Paul is saying, you have a gift, not only to be able to enjoy Disneyland, but you have a gift to have undivided devotion to the Lord, at least for this season. You don't have to please anyone else. You don't need to worry about someone else. Those aren't bad if you do need to do something for someone else, but you have a gift for this season. Like I said earlier, man, you don't have to wait for a spouse to live your life and to pursue your calling. Undivided devotion to him. 
<coughs> it was those early years of being single, I met God in some of the most powerful ways of my life that even set me up for the future. What does undivided devotion look like? Well, number one, undivided devotion to him. You can get to know him deeply in this season in ways that are going to be a whole lot harder other times. One of the best advice I ever took was from uh, Jimmy Cyber, who came here a couple months ago, leader of the Antioch movement. He said, man, when I was single, I would just spend hours in the Word. I got to know the Word inside and out. I would just spend a long period of time, and so I did that. And also, I spent long periods, longer periods of time, not all the time, in prayer. That laid a foundation for me, that revelation that I got of God, of Scripture, that revelation I got during that season. Those are some of those powerful moments with God that I've ever had. Not to say that I can't have them, but I'm going to be honest, they have been fewer and farther between because life is busy. You have an opportunity to go after God in this season that is unprecedented. You might have more time, not to say that you're not busy, but you have more time than you might in the future if God has you in a different season. Undivided devotion to him. It also means undivided, uh, it means also kind of devotion to walking with some people. And I want to say, man, you're not made to do this alone. We want to encourage you and see um, uh, people get around you in this season if you're single. Some of my breast, some, some of my best friendships. <laughs> <laughs> some of my best friendships. <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> Talking about singleness, too. Start over. Some of my best friendships, some of my best friendships have come in, single se- in my single season. <clears throat> Scripture says they came to Jesus, and they, they said, hey, your, your mother is looking for you. Your family is looking for you. He said, who is my family? Who is my, my mother, my brother? Are they not those that hear the word of God? And obey it. God wants to surround you with people that are, are going to be companions and comrades for you in the journey. I sometimes, I, in my single season, I got to live with different guys or run with different guys in different friend groups that absolutely made what was a difficult season at times brought so much life and joy in it. We oftentimes even we're intentional about our living situation. We said, instead of waiting till we could set up a home one day, we said, let's put a little structure and intentionality in our home now so we can create a home for other people to come in and be impacted by a group of guys running after Jesus together. So we said, hey, we're going to be accountable. We're going to encourage one another. Every other week, we're going to do a little worship and prayer and, and scripture night or just hang out night or something intentional <clears throat> where we can, we can be together and in one another's life. And what we create here, we can invite other people in. Those are some of my best friends. Those are men that were in my wedding <clears throat> Um, so God wants to surround you with great people. And let me say this, uh, undivided devotion to his purposes. Uh, Jim Elliott, who was uh, a missionary and martyr of the faith that uh, died in Ecuador, he wrote to the woman he loved, who he's not married yet, he said this, let not our longing to be together slay our appetite for living. Little did they know he would soon be a martyr for the faith and has impacted maybe even many of your lives. But they said, hey, Marriage is great, and we can't be wait to be married one day, but let's not let our desire to be together slay our appetite for living in light of eternity. I remember <clears throat> when my wife and I, um, we were dating, and then we broke up for a year and a half, and I thought it was done ski. It was like not an option. 
And I remember during that season, I met with God a couple weeks after that. I was like so devastated. And I was like, Lord, you know, I give this to you. And I remember, number one, I had just unprecedented just experience with God's love and his word and his presence that really just healed my heart. But I also had an opportunity to go to Africa for a summer. <clears throat> so I said, hey, I thought I'd be married by now, but I'm going to Africa. It was one of the best seasons of my life, being single. I was in uh, Morocco. Uh, I got to be bold for Jesus and actually, uh, actually ended up getting arrested, sharing the good news of Jesus there. Now, if I had been married, they would have a lot more concern, but I was free to go, and I made it out. <laughs> then I go to Uganda, and I'm literally like hiking through the bush and through the woods to bring the good news. We're seeing literally hundreds of people come to know Jesus. We're driving, like safariing through, like stopping, and like lines of people are forming to get prayer, to get healed. Like, like literally, the sick are being healed left and right, and villages are coming to know Jesus. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. Not to say that I couldn't have done that with my wife or with my kids, but, man, you throw five, you know, five people, it just gets a little more complicated. It was one of the best seasons of my life that uh, I'm not sad for what I have today, but it's different. It's different. It's, it's harder to do some of the things that I actually want to do in my heart. Uh, my dental hygienist, I was talking to her the other day, she said, yeah, I was in a relationship, uh, and I asked if I could share this, and she said, yeah. She was in a relationship with a guy years ago that didn't work out. She always wanted to have kids one day, and she felt the Lord said, your kids are these kind of motel kids down in Anaheim, down this rough place. So she would go down there with some other people and literally just took in these kids, would spend time with them, would spend time with kind of sometimes their addicted parents and just with different people in tough situations. And she became a mom to all these kids. And I'm talking to my dental hygienist, like almost in tears, like that's so powerful, you know. <laughs> but it was because she was in a season where where. That's what God had. He thought it was fitting for that season. Now, you know, she said, hey, I'm dating someone now, but I literally had years, and, I, and God just spoke. This is what is fitting for you in this season. Man, so powerful. I want to bring up a good friend of ours, Jen Neese, who's walked through uh, some different seasons. And walk through an unexpected season of singleness. She's going to share for like five minutes on some of her own journey and some of the revelation that Lord dropped in her heart through that journey. And we'll wrap it up after this. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me um, up here. And don't you just love it in your life when God gives you a do-over? <laughs> I love when God allows me a do-over in my life. And there, um, God allowed me a do-over in my uh, season of singleness. You know, when I was young and I was single, I really wasted that season wishing it away. When I was not dating, I was wishing I was dating. When I was dating, I was wishing for a more serious relationship. When I was in a more serious relationship, I was wishing for marriage. And, you know, here's the thing. None of those things are, are wrong or bad. Those are, those are good things, and I believe that God writes desires on our heart. You know, but there's a reason that I had that wishing for something else. And that reason was because I had some longings, like deep in the corners of my soul, deep in my inner being, that I thought would be ultimately fulfilled if I could just date someone Oh, have a serious relationship. Well, maybe it's found in marriage. Certainly it would be found in marriage. And to make a long story short, um, I lost that marriage and found myself kind of in a do-over season of singleness. And 
what I learned in that season was so, so powerful and invaluable. Like God gave me keys to abundance and contentment and life. And I would love to share with you just two of those keys that I that I receive from our gracious God. And one of those is that every season has its purpose. And the other one is that the answer is Jesus. Every season has its purpose. That means nothing in God's world happens by accident. That means nothing is outside of his sovereignty. That goes for any and every season that we find ourselves in. That's Singleness, dating, marriage, seasons of difficulty, uncertainty, seasons of blessing, they are all good and purposeful. When we are living surrendered to God and trusting him, you can be sure that he is working in and through and around you for his good and perfect purposes for your life. And it's so important. Be in the season that you're in. Be fully in the season that you're in. Don't miss it. Don't wish it away. Embrace it. Learn from it. Journey it through with your gracious God. And, you know, if you are single, there is so much beauty in this season for you. And I think that oftentimes it is overlooked or minimized or whatever, but it is powerful. I mean, come on, how amazing is it? It's just you and Jesus. That is beautiful and awesome and powerful and guaranteed, 100% guaranteed there are things that he has for you that are good, things to grow you, things to teach you things to mature you, things to to bless you. He wants to bless you in this season. It is such a beautiful season. Don't miss it. There is so much beauty in a season of singleness when we commit ourselves to God. You know, there's a old song by uh, David Crowder, and I love the chorus and the bridge. It says, it's just you and me here now. It's only you and me, and you should see the view when it's only you. Don't miss the season of singleness. It is a gift. Fully receive that gift. So key one, every season has its purpose. Key two is the answer is Jesus. So I shared with you a few minutes ago that um, I really was disappointed in my life when I, I mistakenly thought that some of these deep longings in my soul would be fulfilled in marriage. And through the severe mercy of God, he began to take down idols that I didn't know I had in my soul, but I really did. I had idols in my soul of kind of a happily ever after in marriage. I had an idol in my soul about Uh, perfectionism and about control. And when God began to take those idols down off my heart and soul, then he could reign there. Then he could be on the throne of my heart. And when that happened, he became my husband. He became the father to my little ones. And he fulfilled and satisfied some of those deep longings that I was mistakenly trying to get from a relationship. And 
in the place of that angst, in the place of that missing, and in the place of, of those longings, suddenly I had peace and contentment and joy. And so powerful, so truly. I mean, God, God gives every longing in the human heart is written there, is put there by the God who created us for love. And therefore, it's finding its fulfillment in God. Those longings find their fulfillment in God, in the person of Jesus. Jesus really is the answer. And as our daughter likes to say, well, Jesus saves the day, the end. Thanks for sharing and such a powerful testimony of God's work in your life and your, your response in the middle of trials and finding God in the middle of it. Um, you know, um, whether we are married, whether we're single, whether we have kids, whether we're dating, the temptation will always be in this short life to kind of in each season say, this is kind of what relationship will satisfy me, or this is a thing or person, whether it is that person to date, whether it's a marriage and all of a sudden kids, I mean, kids are great, but man, this fills my lung, or all of a sudden it's grandkids, right? And all of a sudden, we're going to stand before Jesus faster than we know it, and we will see him face to face for all of eternity. <coughs> and whether we did it well or not, I believe we'll have wanted to live every relationship in the context and in light of him and his eternity and glory. If there is a regret in heaven, although I believe there will just be incredible worship and incredible joy, if there is a regret in heaven, I believe it will be squandering the gifts that God gave us along the way. I know none of us have stewarded our gifts perfectly, but I believe it'll be squandering the gifts, squandering the seasons that God gave us along the way.